Well, welcome. It is good to be with you today. Uh, for those of you who may be joining us from uh, all kind of different places, we're just grateful that we get the chance to connect today. Um, as it's already been said, uh, we already feel like um, God has just filled us up this weekend, and uh, he's, it's, it's overflowing. It's overflowing. I'm excited to share with you today because I, I truly, uh, truly believe that God has something incredibly encouraging for your life today. Uh, we have been studying um, the book of Philippians. Philippians is a little letter um, in the Bible, uh, not really long. We're taking our time as we move through it. We're just kind of taking it section by section, and we are currently in a little section called Fearless. Uh-oh, Fearless, all right? Um, I, again, we're just really taking our time. I, I, I'm just going to dig in today. What if in this crazy world it really would be possible to live fearless? Let me show you what we got. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. This is how it reads. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, don't misread that. That, 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 that doesn't mean that we are earning the gospel, but it means that we are living in a way that is befitting of the gospel. The way that we live, it, it shines the light on how, how much worth is attached to the good news of Jesus, all right? So he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know now watch some of these words we've been studying. I will know that you stand firm, right? This is, a, this is a position where you take a stance that you just don't allow it to be knocked over, all right? You're not going to be moved. You take a stand. But watch this. Stand firm in the, what's this word? One. One, One spirit. So you're standing firm together, right? Next word, striving. Striving is not a stance of, hey, don't, don't get pushed back, but striving is a word of moving forward with this good news. But watch how we're moving forward, striving, what? Together as one for the faith of the gospel. And then here's our line, without being frightened in any way, by those who oppose you. Now, let's just leave this here for a second. I'm going to, uh, what, what are we talking about here? And then I'm going to give you a couple of words to, 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 to really sum that up. I, I want you to recognize that both the, the standing firm, we could call that a defensive stance, both the striving forward, we could call that being on offense, they are both as one. Unity is what it speaks of here. In other words, what Paul's talking about in, in that, that group of believers in Philippi, 
They are overcoming their selfishness. As they stand, they don't just stand alone, they stand together. As they move forward, they don't just move forward with my agenda, we're moving forward together. They are overcoming a selfishness, they are counting others more significant than themselves. So both on defense and on offense, they are, we could say they are loving each other, if you will. I've seen churches where people had strong stances. I've seen churches where people are strong in moving forward, but they hurt one another. Sometimes complaining about how maybe their particular ministry wasn't getting as much support as somebody else's ministry. I'm saying even if they were right, their motive was self. It's deceptive, but their motive was self. It's not oneness. Man, oh man, have we had a weekend together. I'm telling you, God has done some remarkable things in our hearts over the last couple of days. This has been one of the most meaningful pauses for my life. I will mark time by what has happened over this weekend. And I want to encourage you today that even if you didn't get to be there, some of you it's worked, but whatever the reason may be, I just want you to know that it is likely that you are going to be blessed by what God did in a big portion of this church body over this weekend in making us one. And even if you didn't get to be here, you're going to feel the effect. Even if you didn't get to be here, there's going to be some overflow that you are going to be blessed. You you are going to be strengthened because God has strengthened us as one. So here's the two words that I think Paul is using to describe this, this group of people that live in Philippi. And man, we want it to be the two words that describe who, who we are as God's church now, where he's put us to operate. It is the words loving and fearless. That's how they operate. They are loving in taking the good news of Jesus forward, and they are fearless in taking the good news of Jesus forward. I guess we could say in fearless ways, they are loving with the gospel. That's who they were, and that's who God wants us to be. Now, let me show you something powerful This is the first time we're going to look at this part. Something significant happens when these two words are truly at play in who we are as the church. Go back to verse 28, and here's what he says. This is a sign. This is a sign. What's this? Everything we just talked about. 
This is them standing together as one, striving together as one. They, they love. They move the gospel forward in love. They move it forward in fearlessness. This is a sign, he says. A sign to them. Who's the them? It's those who were opposing. It's a sign to the opposition that they will be destroyed. Hmm. But that you, the believers, will be saved, and that by God. That's an interesting statement. That's a, that's a big statement. My purpose in being here today is to help us unpack this a little bit. Do we recognize that even when as God's kids... In love, we are speaking the good news of Jesus and we get opposition. Something powerful is happening in that. God said it's a sign. It's a sign to the one who is opposing you and it's a sign to you. So first question, I want to know how does this life of love and fearlessness become a sign that those who oppose are destroyed. They know they're destroyed. What does that mean? One of the principles that we've learned and we keep learning is that when we read something in the scripture and we don't fully know, hey, what all does that mean? We start asking the question, where else in scripture does that similar language occur? And we want to start as close as possible to where we are. So the question is, is there anything else in this letter to the Philippians that has the same kind of language? And the answer is yes. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, Paul's going to use this language. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears. Don't miss that part. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. What's Paul saying? There are some people who they hear the good news of Jesus and they reject him. There are people who hear about a God who loves and a God who has laid down his life and, and they, they reject that. They push back. They, they are enemies opposed to him, and Paul says this with tears. He doesn't say this right in anger. He says it in tears. But watch this. Their destiny is what? There's our word. There's our word. Their destiny is destruction. Their God, notice little g, is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Okay, let's look at that. What, what, what does he mean here, right? When he says right, that their God is their stomach, these are people who reject the one true God. They make a little God of, of their stomach. What he means their highest authority is their appetite, if you will. This is the way I would see it. Their God is their desire for physical pleasure. 
whether that be food or whatever else that this body can, 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 can enjoy, it is making the authority in your life experiencing physical pleasure of those earthly things. The reward is that you get pleasure. Here's what just happened though. That person, that their little God in their life is, is just the, the desire to, for the reward of physical pleasure. Here's what just happened. They just ran into some people who are not threatened by the loss of earthly things. Hey, you may lose your job and these people are not crushed. Hey, we will throw you in prison for speaking of Jesus. And you know what they do? They just keep speaking in love and fearlessness. Hey, we will kill you. We will take your life. And the result is they're seeing these believers in Jesus who they're not threatened by the loss of earthly things. What happens to the people who have made their God, right? The, the, the enjoyment of, of pleasure, all of a sudden they realize their little God is not so powerful. Their, their little God, he is actually a false God and Therefore, he cannot bring them life. Destruction is on the way. And so he says, do you understand? When you stand and you strive in love and fearlessness in the face of whatever threats come your way, your opposition realizes you're for real and they're not. Your God is powerful to let you do that, and they're not. Their God can't deliver. And it is a sign to them that their destruction is coming. Wow. But that's not all that verse says. Let's go back to 28 again. It's a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you, the believers, will be saved, okay? How then does standing and striving in love and fearlessness, how does that become a sign that believers will be saved? I think a part of this Paul's already demonstrated for us in chapter one. Remember when Paul said, no matter what's happened to me already, which was prison, He said God has actually used it to advance the gospel. He's not sitting in prison defeated, right? He's not sitting in prison depressed. He's saying, look, what's already happened to me, I'm in prison as I write this letter to you. The gospel has been advanced because he says these guards in the prison, now they know who who Jesus is. They know the truth. And he said, actually, Rome is starting to hear the truth of who Jesus is. 
And what we learned in this first chapter is that because of Paul's love and fearlessness, he said even the other brothers and sisters in Christ, they are being encouraged and they are being more bold to share the good news too. Why did that happen? It's because they saw the sign in Paul's life, this love and this fearlessness, even in the midst of the struggle of the suffering. And they said, if God can do that through Paul, then God can do that through us. This is what it looks like to walk in the salvation that God gives us. Let me show you another example um, from Scripture, because it wasn't just Paul who said this. It was, it was guys like Peter, too. The Apostle Peter says this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Some of you will recognize this text. But even if you should suffer, there's our word, for, for doing what's right. He's not saying you didn't do something wrong. You're, you're sharing Jesus and it's costing you. You're blessed. So what's the next word? Do not fear. Fearless. Going through suffering, don't fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. In other words, here's what Peter says. You're going through suffering? All right. You don't have to be afraid of that earthly stuff, man. You don't, you don't have to be afraid of their threats because of the love that you continue to live, because of the, of the fearlessness that you continue to live. People are going to ask you, how do you have this kind of hope in the middle of suffering? It's a sign. It's a sign. For me... One of the greatest consequences of not being able to travel over the last several years has been the consequence for me of not being able to, like I have been able to do in the past, put physical eyes on this truth that we're talking about today being lived out in God's people in other parts of the world. Because God does something in me in the few times that I have been able to gather like this but we had to do it under darkness because it was part of the underground church in China. And when I watched them operate under the threats in which they constantly live, but I watched them love and I watched them fearless, can I tell you it does something to the heart of this man when I go that is a sign of some people whose faith is real. It's real. 
I have sat across the table from some pastors in China, and we have dreamed about what God might want to do. They do that under the threat of prison. I have, I have prayed with pastors in Nepal who regularly deal with persecution from the other religions around them. I have looked into the eyes of those pastors in Myanmar who even today are laying down their lives to protect children in in the middle of a military oppression. And I'm just telling you, you look those guys in the eyes and you can see a love and you can see a fearlessness. They are standing and they are striving for the gospel and it is this glaring sign. These dudes are for real. This is what salvation looks like. And I think it's, it looks exactly like the disciples did. All those disciples who after Jesus' death and then resurrection, as they live out their lives, they, they all lay down their lives in the end. All, right? Martyrs. In my opinion, that is one of the greatest pieces of evidence that they really saw Jesus rise from the dead. You cannot debate that life. It's a sign. So come on, anybody else want to know, how do you get to be that powerful? How How do you get to the place that you can live with such a love and such a fearlessness in suffering that you are assigned to others? Well, Paul gave it to us. Go back to 28, and I'll, I'll build there. Verse 28. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. Here we go. And that by God. This whole sign thing, this is, this is, this is from God. For, that's the connecting phrase. When he says this, and then he goes for, that means I'm about to tell you how. It has been earned by you. Is that what it says? No, it says it has been granted, gift, grace. It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ. Okay, what has been granted to us? Not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. So how does this happen? By God. How does this happen? (laughs) It's something that he grants to us, something that, that he is giving to us. What did he give us? He gives us to believe and to suffer. And so the two words that I'm gonna use, here's the gift that he gives us. It is faith and suffering. And you're like, I never actually thought that was a gift. And you wouldn't until you grasp what this text is giving us today. He says, I grant this to you. I give you this to believe that you have a faith in Jesus and 
to suffer for him. We could call this faith-filled suffering. And it's the reason this sign is by God is because he's granted these to you so that you can stand and you can strive in love and in fearlessness. And when you do that, it causes your enemy to say, I'm in trouble because that guy's love, that lady's fearlessness, when I push them, they love and they are fearless, I'm in trouble because they are for real. Let me show you one more parallel picture of this. Um, it's a letter that Paul writes to the Thessalonians. There are funny names to the books of the Bible, right? If, you, if you've been in church a long time, you don't realize how funny the names are. But if, if you're like new to church, you're like, those are the goofiest names. But they're names of places. So like Philippians is named after the, the believers who are at a, a city called Philippi. A letter to the Thessalonians, it's a, it's a, it's a, a letter to the people who lived in a place called Thessalonica. And, and when you study the history When Paul went to Philippi the first time and then he left, the next place he went to was Thessalonica. And I want you to hear this scripture, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want to see, does this sound familiar in, in what we're hearing today? Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith. There's faith. Why perseverance? in all the persecutions and trials, that's suffering. So we got faith, just like we saw, suffering. The trials that you are enduring, verse five. All this is evidence. We would say it's a sign, it's a sign. It's evidence that God's judgment is right and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Salvation. This is what it looks like to walk in God's salvation for which you are suffering. God is just and he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Now, different words he uses with the Thessalonians, but it's the same truth that he's given us. Faith suffering, sign of salvation, and even their destruction because in the end, God's going to act. I want you to see that this is a conversation, this is a teaching that Paul was regularly giving the churches to which he is seeing born and growing up. This is something that we as the church need to make sure we understand. This is about a sovereign God who grants you what you need to know that by his grace, your faith through suffering declares you are for real, you are saved. And then he wraps it by bringing a memory back to their mind. 
One more time. A sign. They'll be destroyed. You'll be saved. That by God. Because it's granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe, but to suffer. Watch this. Since you're going through the same struggle, you saw I had, Paul said, and now here, I still have, like, what, what did they see Paul go through? What did they see happen to Paul when Paul shows up in Philippi? Let, let me remind you part of what they saw. They saw Paul and Silas seized by the crowd, dragged is the language in front of the rulers. The crowd attacks them. Their garments are torn off. They are beaten with rods. They are thrown in prison and, and they fastened them. Remember I told you in stocks and I told you that was more than like just putting them in handcuffs or, or just, remember it was the, 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 in that day it was a stretching. It was a, it was a torture in a sense mechanism that, that they would use. They saw that happen to Paul and you know what Paul did? He, he loved he loved and he was fearless. He was fearless. Now, they are experiencing apparently some of the same thing. And now Paul's in prison again. Here's what Paul is encouraging them to know. God is giving you faith and suffering that you are empowered to stand and strive for the gospel in love and fearlessness so that those who oppose you will know and you will know that your faith is real. Let me summarize for you. God is in charge of your life and he is bringing you all the way to heaven. He's for you and he's with you. I saw this week a pastor from the Ukraine answer a question that went like this. What have you learned in these days of war? And he answered with one word. Emmanuel. And he simply looked into the, to the, to the eye of that camera and he said, he's with me now. God is with me now. So let's take this home. What does it look like for those of us 
who, at least for now, are living in a land where it is not illegal to be a Christian. (laughs) What does this look like for us that, for now, it's not illegal to be a Christian? In other words, you professing Jesus um, most likely does not mean a beating. You professing Jesus most likely does not mean prison. You professing Jesus most likely does not mean death. But it could look like rejection. It could look like rejection. You you proclaiming Jesus could mean somebody rejects you. It, It could mean that somebody ridicules you. So what does it look like where where we live to live this out and love with love and fearlessness? Here's what it looks like. Students, it looks like you even when the response might be that they walk away from you, you give them who Jesus is. You speak of who Jesus is. You speak of the salvation that Jesus brings. You speak of the life that he gives to you. I'm saying in in school today is a crazy place. It's a crazy place. And there is nothing that is needed more in school now than a message of hope and life and restoration that Jesus brings from a cross and an empty tomb. What this looks like today, students, is a a love and a fearlessness that says, I will speak to my friends of this life that Jesus brings even if they reject me. That's what it looks like. It it looks like to your neighbor, to your neighbor, like they they live by you. You got to like figure out how to do life sort of in the same territory. But but it's saying, I'm going to say to my neighbor, because I love, this is who Jesus is. And this is what Jesus has done in my life. Even if they think I'm crazy. It looks like sharing Jesus with your family. The family who might suddenly distance themselves from you, making holidays and reunions really weird. But you say, because of love, I will not be afraid of what this cost me to speak of who he is. Like the people of Paul's day, there are people today whose little God is pleasure. But I am also convinced that in our day, perhaps the little God that most rules the heart of, the, of even people within the church is the little God of approval. And we have somehow convinced ourselves that the best way to share the gospel 
is to just always be that kind, good person and don't ruffle feathers. Now, the point is don't be a jerk. But the point today is when you actually speak in love and feathers are ruffled, God is actually up to something supernatural. And yes, it may cost you, but you're like, you know what? I don't care because there's a bigger cost that hangs in the balance. There is a heaven and there is a hell. There, there is a savior and there is one who destroys. I am going to speak of him and whatever it costs me, I will do it again. That's what it looks like. Most of the time, this is something that we, we, we see it as a picture toward the world, right? You, you, you occur a love and a fearlessness toward a world I, at one point in my life, actually saw my dad have to do this in a church. And I, I repeat this story every once in a while because it is a story that shaped my life. It shaped my faith. We suddenly found ourselves, when I say we, I mean our family and my dad, we suddenly found ourselves in a group of people who called themselves Jesus followers, but they didn't really believe that the gospel was for all people. And they believed that some were not welcome. I'm saying this is not some debatable, like, hmm, should... should is this or isn't this? No, this is, this is like a good news that is for all people and, and yet a church who is saying we don't think some are welcome. And I can remember it as clear as yesterday. My dad gathered our family around the kitchen table and these are the words that he said. I don't know where we will be next week. but we have to stand. We have to stand. And I'm telling you, that moment was a sign for a young man in high school of what it looks like because of love to speak the truth of Jesus even when there is a threat, whether it be losing a job, whether it be, whether it be the criticism that comes, whatever that may be, this is a sign that shaped me as a young man that said, my dad's faith is for real. I'm challenging you today. Some of you, those little guys and girls that are just down the hallway here, some of them are meeting in different places as I speak to different sites today. Those little, little children that, man, we would give our lives for. Somewhere along the way, God's design is that they watch the love and the fearlessness of their mamas and daddies 
who stand and strive for the gospel of Jesus. And even in the suffering, they will know that you are real and God does something supernatural in their hearts that they will say, therefore, we will stand too. We will stand too. You don't need to go looking for trouble. Please don't walk away from here today thinking you need to go find suffering. You don't need to. The, the, the indication from Scripture is if you just share the gospel, it will probably show up. You are called to share good news. This is where I leave you today. Do you know? Do you know? God is giving you faith and he's giving you suffering that you are empowered to stand and strive for the gospel, that in love and fearlessness, even your opposition will know that you are real. But also, you will know that you are real and that there is a God who is in charge of your life and intends to bring you all the way to heaven because he's for you and he's with you. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to take a little time to process. We'll sing a little bit, declare some truth over what we've just learned. But many of us have also learned some things over the last several days that the way we process God's design, each other. We help each other. So I don't want you to be bashful today as you're praying through what we just heard, as you're praying through, God, what do I do with this? I don't want you to be afraid to reach out to each other. And that together we say, God, will you help us? Will you help us? Let's pray. Let's pray, God. I thank you for being the God of grace, a God who grants. You are the God who, who grants us faith and suffering. But in that, you are working something that honestly, it is more valuable than all of the riches of this world could, could, could even come close. You are working an assurance. An assurance that what we claim to have with you is real. An assurance that what you tell us that we can have with you is real. An assurance of your presence. And I thank you today, and maybe some are in it right now. God, some, some who are listening today, some who are, who are wrestling with us today, they, they may already find themselves in situations where they have been speaking your good news and they're doing it with love, but the pushback is severe. Maybe it's family. Maybe what was a friendship God, maybe, maybe a divide that's happened among neighbors over this. God, th th those who, who are hearing today, who find themselves in the middle of that situation, God, I'm asking you to help them to see with eyes that only you can give. Even though we may not see it, 
You tell us today you're working the sign. And those who are pushing back, they actually already know. They already know that you're real and that their little God is not. God, I pray that for maybe some of us who are, who are together here today, God, if we have been following the little gods today, that the light would be shined on the truth of who you are. God, today, would you draw hearts to you that we would be a people who run to you with everything that we have. God, I thank you for what you've given us today. It is obvious from scripture, this is something that Paul repeated to those churches, it's something we need. And in a day where it feels like our culture gets crazier by the moment, instead of us just complaining, today, today, would you empower these, your children, to stand and to strive in love and in fearlessness, that with faith and with suffering, the sign will be clear that you, God, are great. It's in the name of Jesus that I ask it today.